Hello everyone, welcome! Uh, I'm Laura K. Buzz, you may know me as someone that talks about accessibility in video games on the internet, but I'm not here alone today, I'm here talking about accessibility related stuff with someone else. Uh, wonderful, friendly face, would you like to introduce who you are today? Hi everyone, my name is Arabia and I am a chronically ill and disabled content creator from Norway. I do normally a lot of TikToks, but I also do streaming, uh, a lot about information about making accessibility easy to swallow, if we're allowed to say that, in the form of, uh, it can be a bit like a vast feel and it's a lot of things to take in and understand. So I just make small bits easy to understand to make you curious about accessibility and want to like take a look at it yourself. Wonderful. Uh, and where can people find you on the internet? They can find me under the handle Arevia everywhere, which I am not going to spell out because I have dyslexia and since we talk about accessibility, I can't spell it. That's English. okay. I'll try and remember in post to spell it and put it on the screen for people. Good. Good. Yeah, I, it's isn't it ironic though? Like I chose a name, which I'm I'm okay with my name. I like my name, but I cannot spell it. I I hope this okay with with like um I can blame it on the fact that English is not my first language. <laughs> As someone who also is very bad at spelling and writing and grammar and all of those things, um, I definitely, I got to pick my own name and I definitely picked one I would find easy to spell. But also, I don't know why I got into writing. Writing seems like a very poor decision for me to get into as someone that does not remember where letters go in words half the time. Yeah, every time I uh, write like a manuscript for YouTube, like I write and write and write, and then half the page is just like red underlining is going like, no, you cannot say this, you cannot write this. And it goes like, oh. This is what working with editors is for. I have the ideas and they can turn it into something readable. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're here generally to chat about accessibility stuff today, but specifically, uh, we, we wanted to chat a little bit about PTSD today in terms of video game accessibility, which is something I suspect a lot of people will hear and go, how's that to do with accessibility? So I think we can start about like, what is PTSD? Mm. Uh, because I think a lot of people still to this day think like, oh, you have been in war. Which yes. is a legit thing to think, because yeah. a lot of people experience war, will have trauma after it, and that is a logical thing to assume. But there, the minority of people who has PTSD has it for war and conflict. Most of us has it for other traumatic experience, mm. either that being a succession of longer traumatic events going spanning years, or one single event. Mm. And what is a bit can I call it weird about PTSD is that it can also happen to you even though the trauma didn't affect you, but you get mm. sort of a bystander trauma and the fact that you saw something and you couldn't do anything about it and sort of that feeling of hopelessness haunts you for the rest of your life. Mm. Uh, I myself have a PTSD due to medical trauma. So since I'm chronically ill and disabled, I've been in and out of hospitals for many years. Sadly, I met doctors who weren't nice to me, doctors and nurses who weren't nice to mm -hmm. me. And due to all the gaslighting, and everybody who are chronically ill know all of this, gaslighting and yeah. all that jazz you sadly meet in the, that, in the medical field, I ended up getting PTSD after some procedures and uh, have to deal with the consequences daily due to that. Though, uh, on the other side, it is an illness that is possible to live 
nice with. I, after many years of therapy, think, and it's fun. Ironically enough, I have a better mental health now with PTSD because mine will never <laughs> go away than I had before I had PTSD because I actually got help dealing with like my mental health in general. I I think there really is something to that, and it's it's depressing a little bit that it's the case, but I know here in the UK, um, it's really hard to get mental health support until you hit a crisis point, and so many people I know have better mental health after their moment of crisis because they they were able to start getting that help and support, be it because, you know, the barriers to accessing it were lessened or just the realization that they needed to go seek that health health and support it's not a fun road to get there but whatever gets you to do the work can sometimes help on the other end of it yeah because every time i talk about it like i have a lot of people coming to me like i just got diagnosed they feel like i have like this big burden or this like big stone on my back mm. and i just want to like throw it away but i can't do it and i keep sinking and i'm just like well after I never were able to get rid of it. It won't happen. We all need to face hospitals and medical field all the time mm. as part of life. I will never, even through exposure and stuff, it just doesn't help for me. But I can deal with it. It's like a set. I have so many tools now and a set like way of dealing with things. So even though it's hard for me, it's okay to deal with it because it's is a sort of like a drawer. I open a drawer. That is the problem. And then when I'm done, I'm close that drawer. And then it doesn't affect me more than that. Whenever that sneaks itself up, I have the tools to just close it. And yeah. Yeah. It's... I I think there's a lot of disabilities that have that sort of thing in mind of initially when you learn you have a disability, sometimes that that experience of this is never gonna go away. And that can be quite scary until yeah. you come to terms with it's never going to go away, but I know what it is now and I can find the tools to deal with it and I can I can work through it. I like that. And I understand why it's so scary. Like, I, it, it's not one-to-one, -one, obviously, but I, I had similar experiences when I got diagnosed with autism and having that moment of, I, this is going to be with me forever is initially quite scary. It's like, it feels like when you hear that, it's like, this, is, this will never get better. And that's not what it means at all. Because no. with a lot of these things, it's, You've learned the name for it, you can work on it now, and you can get it under control in a way you couldn't. Because, like, getting diagnosed doesn't mean you have the thing now. You, you had it before, it just means you have a name yeah. for it and you, could, you know how to do stuff about it. I like that, because, yeah, you had it before, and that I like. Because, sort of for me, every time I've gotten any diagnostic mentally or physically mm. or disability or stuff like that, it sort of it gives you a hook to put things on. It's like... I got anxiety the other day and I couldn't get rid of it. And it turns out that it was just my flight and fright uh, reflex that was triggered by something completely different. But then I was just like, oh, yeah, but I am mentally ill. So I need to now give myself the time to relax and do all of these things I know I need to do. And so having the tools and having the understanding of how the illness affects you is, is like a really good power to have. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, we've talked a little bit about like the basics of what uh, PTSD is. How does that relate to video games? That's, that, that's you know, I suspect there are going to be people, some people wondering that. <laughs> so relating it to video games is that uh, PTSD has, for a lot of people, triggers. So you see something, you hear something, or you get a feeling that triggers a response in your body correlating to the trauma you experience. 
Uh, an example for me is that I, uh, due to like the hospital thing I have, I played uh, Amnesia on stream and uh, uh, not to spoil too much, but there is a Hmm. There is a scene of something happening to someone's body. There is a scene with that. medical elements, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and for me, it is okay to see it, but I can't hear it because for me, like sounds of being in a mm. hospital or sounds of that, that reminds me too much about the experience I had. So uh, I was lucky enough for that time to have a chat or my chat to say to me, this will happen. Uh, remember to take off your headset. Mm. So I, I had to take off the headset to be able to continue the game and then not getting triggered and then having uh, a problem with that. It is important to understand that triggers doesn't necessarily just mean getting a problem there and then and getting like a panic attack. It can be that for some people, they get triggered, get a panic attack. But for me, it's like, I get this sinking feeling of mm. doom and then it just builds and builds and builds and builds. So I can get triggered and then have the problem, say, two days later of my body just completely shutting down because the feeling of doom is just too overwhelming. Yeah, trauma trauma is is can be nasty like that in that it's it's not always oh, conveniently like helpfully happening at a moment where you can go, I can tell exactly what caused this and it's having its effect right now. Um Yes. I I know for myself, I you know, I I don't have a diagnosis of PTSD, but I definitely have things that I have trauma responses to. Um I know for me a big one was uh the first time I played through the original Life is Strange, um as someone that went through an experience of not being able to talk someone out of committing suicide, that interactive video game series has a scene where someone is going to kill themselves and you are in control of whether they do or not um, based on your actions. And I failed that interaction and then got told that 80% of people were successful at saving her and I was in the 20% that sucked and couldn't do it. And like, I get what you mean about that so that looming sense of trauma because that didn't get me in the moment but that was one of those things that like over days and days just kind of sat with me and trauma's sucky like that sometimes in how it just just really needles it just kind of weighs you down a bit it's not yes. it's not fun <laughs> no and it is i think uh the hollywood typical effect of like somebody coming home from war and then i hear something and then they just like goes into this sort of trance but for most of us it isn't that it's just more that it triggers something and then we just don't know what to do with our body because i get like you could you could tell me or you could tell my body there is a lion in this room mm. and my body would just like go like Ugh! and react according to the fact that i was a lion in this room but there isn't a lion in the room mm. it's it's it doesn't exist there in a way so why would it be when my body even though my brain says to me like, hey, this isn't true, it isn't happening now, what you're feeling and what you're thinking isn't true, my body's just like, hell no, there might be a line somewhere, I am going to react. And, and, and when it's a threat that isn't there, it makes it hard because you can't just go away from the threat. Because no. the threat's not in a physical space you can get yourself away yeah. from. Like, if I go into another room, it's just like, yeah, but the lion might be here as well, my body says to me. And like, 
So that's the same with when I play video games because I want to enjoy them. I want to have a good time, relax. For me, video games is a way to like have fun. And it's not fun if I am going to go into a game and sit on the edge and go like, am I going to be triggered or not? And mm. that's the thing as well. Like just if thinking or feeling of like, oof, am I going to be triggered is also hard to deal with. Mm. That in itself is part of the problem as well. You sit there and go like, oh no, am, am I going to have a bad day today due to this? Yeah. And of course, I know some people say like, but then just don't play games. <sighs> it's but always I... the response. Uh. Yeah. So <laughs> then just don't play that kind of games. But I'm just like, but I like, I like horror games. Yeah. I think horror games are really, really fun. I like the feeling of like fear and doom and all that jazz but when it's controlled because mm. it is different it's like um how you watch a shark movie and you like have to take your feet up on like <laughs> up away from the floor because you're pretty sure that there might be a shark there and it's like that feeling but you know it's silly and then it's just fun and i want that i just don't want to have the extra added on yeah so, I, I've I've had conversations with people about horror games specifically before, and had those conversations of like, why do you play a game if it's in a genre that might even possibly contain something that's bad for you? And I think the way I always talk to people about it is like, most people who go into horror aren't looking to be genuinely like unsettled. I think, you know, there are some people who that's what they're there for, but I think most people are like, I want to engage with that sort of tension and in a safe space where I, on a physical level, know that nothing I'm seeing can harm me. And yeah. it's explaining that, like, hey, for some people with some, like, some people will go to horror and everything will be fine except for one thing where the body goes, ah, this isn't for pretend anymore. And because you have that response to one thing doesn't mean you don't, in every other context, still enjoy that whole, ooh, what's going to happen? I know I'm safe, but it's still scary. Yeah, and it's the excitement, and it is like sort of the, oh, yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, but what then can games do to help us who has triggers, if we just take that as a general thing? Triggers, hmm. what could games do to help us, do you think? Well, I think the obvious answer, I, I suspect you'll agree with me on this, is content warnings. And yeah. not just content warnings, but good, robust content warnings that are well presented to the player. Yeah. I think there is, for once, I really, really enjoy sites like Does the Dog Die, which is yes. a site where you can look up, yes, look up like content, will something like this happen in the game? But I also think it's uh, important on the devs to put it on their website yeah. or on Steam. Yes. Like give us content warnings on Steam, like this is going to include this. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think it's really cool in game when they give us content warnings before it happens mm. so it's like three stages of like looking it up yourself having the information given to do and then having the information before it happens so you can sort of prepare yourself yeah i there's a couple of examples of games i always go to for like uh well implemented um content warnings both like developer provided outside of the game and then inside of the game um i i, I like to talk about uh tell me why which was a, uh, a don't nod game uh, involving a trans man protagonist and some mysterious supernatural goings on that was happening. But 
that game's developers put out a set of content warnings, I think six weeks before the game had even released, that were like, full spoilers, we will tell you like which chapter of the game things come up in, common questions you might have, do you have any further questions, you can email us and we'll answer stuff, before the game was even out. Um, and I really respect how upfront they were about, about those content warnings. But in terms of ones that are like in the game, uh, the example I always think of is there's a game called Ickenfell, uh, which has really well implemented content warnings that can be looked up in advance, but can also be set to happen uh, right before a moment occurs and the game will pause and it will go, here is a thing that is about to happen. Would you like a bit more specific information about like what exactly is going to go on? Do you want to skip it or do you want to go through it? And like that degree of specificity and control and ability to go, I, I know what's coming and whether it's going to be a problem for me, I think is a really good implementation of that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I really enjoy that. I think Dead Space also did that, similar to that. And I think it's such a good way of doing it. For for me, as I've come so far in my way of working with myself and with my illness, I can now handle things if I'm prepared. So like mm. I have things that I can do that it's okay for me to see this because then I just like, I, I know it's going to happen. What I, the worst I know is when it gets sprung up on me. Like mm. I am not, oh, I'm not ready for this. And it feels like out of a left field. Like, of course, if you play Dead Space, of course, like that happens. Um, you, you sort of uh, know it will happen. But there are, as you said, uh, Life is Strange. Um, I, when I get, came into Life is Strange, I did not think that they would go so serious in the topics. Yeah. Because we didn't have had anything like it before. So it's just like, a, yeah, I, I sort of, when I came into it the first time, thought it was more like a cozy game. Mm. because it sort of was presented that way um which was not in the fault of the developers it was just more that i didn't know better i so i get what you is... mean though i felt the same <laughs> yes and and but it is hard as well though because mm. as much as i love trigger warnings and content warnings um it is hard because people can have triggers for so many things i have had ptsd now going on for almost 10 years and mm. when i started having it trigger warnings for medical stuff was not a thing it's one of those things where i'm glad that developers are over time realizing quite how broad the uh the range of things that can be upsetting for players is and are thinking about that in creative ways um we are seeing really good examples of um what one thing over the last couple of years i've seen become more common is games going hey do you like have you lost a parent and it's going to be upsetting for like uh, an in-game parent that's just called mum or dad to be contacting you? Uh, like things like that. We, we, we're seeing developers start to be aware that there is like a broader spectrum of things that could, you know, be worth avoiding. But no game is ever going to be perfect in that regard. And I think that like we can look at what are the common things, what are the things that most commonly come up listen to your community and be communicative about like what are things that aren't just one-off cases of people being bothered by and sort of doing the best work you can on that but i think the i, I think the biggest thing is if you have content warnings you have to make sure that like the things you have content warnings for you are rock solid on like actually being accurate about yes i saw once i played a game and it just said trigger warnings 
And I was just yeah. like, trigger warnings for what? Yeah. Is it spiders? Is it death? Is it what is it trigger warning for? And yeah. I understand that devs try their best and like kudos to them to have it. But I was just like, okay, you tried, but <laughs> Yeah. Like like an example I, I think about of content warnings done in like a not ideal way um is the game doki doki literature club which also to the note of like it, it's it's difficult because i i respect the fact they have content warnings in there given the fact that giving content warnings gives away the fact that that game is a horror game nestled in something disguising itself not as a horror game but that game had like very vague content warnings for specific categories at the start um like it would say like blood no more specifics um, and that would be, you know, something and not the worst. But there were instances in that game where, you know, it would pause and go, this thing is about to c come up, even if it wasn't very specific. Uh, you know, there's about to be blood, not going to be specific. But then there would be points where blood would come up, not content warning. And I'm like, oh, that's no. that's where you have a problem, is where you've yeah. said, we will give you a heads up in advance when this thing is about to come, meaning that you can approach it knowing it's coming and prepare yourself as as you were talking about like sometimes it's okay if you know it's coming but to then fail to be thorough and to yeah. have have it sneak up on you when you thought you were safe to approach it like knowingly that can be like more damaging than just not bothering to content one in the first place because it tells someone you can let your guard down oh psych here it is yeah i think that is something i try to talk about a lot when i do game reviews mm. especially when it comes it can do a parallel to like visual um accessibility in the form of having big text because one of the things i often say is that games doesn't have bigger enough text and especially text box boxes mm. aren't big enough and uh, when i've talked about devs with it some things they often say is that yeah but if it's too big it will cover content so like then you won't see the design and then i try to explain back that yes but for the people who needs it, they don't care because yeah. the importance is to see what is written. And I think it's sort of the same with trigger warnings. If you go in to a setting and get to read trigger warnings, like you don't need to have them front and frontal. You can have like a button yeah. so you have to open and then it says this will contain spoilers. You can either have a spoiler free one and a not spoiler free one. But for us who needs it pretty well uh, explained out, I wouldn't not play a game because I'm spoiled, but I would not play a game if I'm mm. afraid to be triggered. Exactly. And that's the thing. <laughs> like, you will always have players go and, like, spoil themselves and stuff like that, but most players don't do that. Like, most gamers will play a game to have fun, so they don't on purpose do things to not have fun. And I mean, even if someone who didn't need trigger warnings went in and looked at the spoilers in the trigger warning, content warning menu, like, so what? That hasn't harmed anyone if that person decided I want to know the spoilers before I play it. You know, yeah. it that the worst case scenario is someone knowingly and willingly spoils a narrative for themselves for no reason. And the best case scenario is, as you say, have, you know, maybe have degrees of how, uh, you know, spoil myself a little bit. Okay, I need a bit more information, spoil me a bit more. And knows, okay, I know when a thing is coming and the specifics about it to know whether it's going to be okay for me or if I need to mitigate it somehow. But I also do feel for devs sometimes there is a tricky way to go about it. I think a lot, especially when I talked about earlier, the fact that sometimes people just say trigger warnings yeah. and not like what, or content warnings. Um, because I I understand them to some degree because they are like, but we won't, don't want to 
say it in case it triggers you. And I can understand. I don't think it comes from a place of malice what they're mm. doing. It It comes from a place of not understanding how the system of content and trigger warnings actually works. Um, so I think also it is on us uh, who wants to talk about it and works to talk about it to be open and like tell them how this actually works. Agreed. Um, I, I think pulling back to something you said very early on when talking about PTSD, like I've I've known people who have had the type of T PTSD where something happens and they go glassy eyed and are flashing back to something. And I know that that's not that's not everyone's experience. I know it's not yours, but it's one of those that I think a lot of developers, that's the only vision they have of PTSD. And I think that gives them that association of, oh, what if that idea of I, I I don't know anyone with PTSD, but what if I mention the word and they ha start having flashbacks? And it's about getting those conversations going so that people uh, who are making games and trying to put these kind of warnings into games aren't doing it from a place where all they know is the you know the 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 fireworks are going off and the soldiers having flashbacks that they saw in a film once, but that they've spoken to people with PTSD and gone. You know, having spoken to several people with the condition, what is or is not likely to be an issue and what is or is not likely to be helpful, rather than just sort of making those assumptions. Um, I do think that is a smart way of looking at it, uh, because uh, with every diagnostic and every illness, whatever it is, it is a big, vast field. If you're talking, if you have talked to one person with a condition, mm. you have talked to one person with yeah. a condition. And I think, and I understand that that also can be scary because like I, our experience will differ so much and, but it is okay for devs and for everybody else to also understand that two things can be correct at the same time. Some games just won't be able to make accessible for people with specific PTSD. Yeah. If you have a war game and you get triggered by war sounds and, and in general stories about war then that game might not be for you. And that is okay. No game can be 100% accessible. And I think I think that's part of the thing is recognizing that like most people with conditions like PTSD are going to know if you've got war PTSD, this game's not going to be for me. And no one, I don't think anyone's expecting uh, developers of, you know, a Call of Duty or whatever to make it necessarily accessible to people for whom war generally is going to be a trigger. Yeah. But I also recognize that like, just because that is the case doesn't mean there aren't things you could do within that game that might still be helpful for some people. Like, nice. be, being able to, I don't know, uh, have separate sliders for volume for uh, bullets and explosions and being able to turn those down in the mix so they're not quite so all-encompassing might be enough for someone. I was just about to say that because that is like the example I have. And the thing with uh, like sound sliders, which is perfect, mm is that they help us with PTSD, but they also have help people with like uh, tinnitus. Is that what you call yeah, it in English? Yeah. Beeping sound in their ears. Yeah. So there might be sounds they need to turn off. Uh, so it helps like a big spectrum of people and a lot of your players, not just one specific uh, um, sort of yeah. Uh, yeah, subcategory of gamers. It can help like a really big and large field of your gamers. and. And also, I think in all of this, just be upfront of what your game is about. Like, be honest about what the end user or the gamer is actually going to experience. 
Yeah. Um, because it can also be annoying. Like, say you start a game and you play it, and then you have sort of a sunk cost feeling in the form of like, but I spent eight hours, but now it's a yeah. part of it. I just can't go through. And then, okay, yeah, you can have a friend play it for you or a family member, but there is an importance in a feeling of being independent in all mm. of this. For me, at least, being independent is a really, really big part of my life, a really important part of my life. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would be really... And, and then it can turn into being annoying with the developers and the studio and stuff like that. Like in, But if I never were to play it, I would just go like, meh. But if I have spent a lot of time in it and then I there is a barrier that is so big that I can't get past it, you get annoyed. Yeah. So, yeah. I, there's an example of that that I think about a lot that um, comes up frequently enough that I'm surprised developers generally haven't picked up on this being a thing they should address yet. But people with arachnophobia who get, you know, 80% of the way into a video game and suddenly there's a boss that's a huge spider and a bunch of small spiders and there's no option to get around that fact for this very common phobia and they have that moment of well i've played almost all of this game and my options now are have someone else continue it for a minute for me or i just have to stop playing this game that i was really enjoying and sometimes there is that degree of like as as we said there's no knowing every potential trigger that could exist for you know uh, phobias for ptsd for various conditions but there are things you can go what are what are the what are the common things yeah and if something is like a common occurrence or a common enough one that like it comes up frequently go is there anything we can do to at the very least make certain things skippable for certain players so that they don't have to give up that autonomy and can just keep going with the experience they're enjoying and i i also think i think that is a good way of looking at it and i also i will always think it's okay for developers to have their way of like autonomy if they want to have a giant spider in yeah. the game as one of the boss and you don't want to have it be able to skip because yeah. sort of what i can call the um, from software mentality yeah. where like this is what we are and this <laughs> is what we're going to deliver and i like yeah. okay um, okay, just, you do that. Just be open be about what it is. Open about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because like then you can just say to people, yeah. but this is what we're going to deliver you, yeah. and that is that. We are not going to be accessible to this. Yeah. And I am okay with that. We have enough games for... I wish, of course, that every yeah. game will try anything, everything, but that isn't realistic, so then just be open about it. Exactly. Like in that example, if you're going to have your big giant spider boss and not have any way to skip it, have somewhere where someone can look up on your website hey does your game have big giant spiders oh it does okay i won't play it if you're not gonna be accessible to me but yeah. at least you've saved me from getting that far into the game and then realizing it's not for me like just, yeah, just because... be open about the stuff you're going to include either so that like people know what you've put in place to help them also they know you're not going to support them and that's fine i won't play this one and you also save yourself a really either angry mail yeah. Twitter or Reddit of somebody going, I paid $80 for this. I played it so long that I can't return it, but now I can't continue. And then they're angry at you. Um, so like it's the it's a win-win situation, I feel like. Yeah. Twitter uh, content warnings win-win for everyone. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, you know, I, I understand being, you know, wor worried about spo spoiling your piece of media, but I think generally speaking, 
if people have issues with certain type of content, give them the tools they need to know what's coming up so they can make informed decisions at the very least. It would be wonderful if every video game had, you know, best practices for this is what's coming and here's very specific information about when and like what it will include and you know here's tools to either skip it or at least know when it's coming so you can compose yourself that would be great but at the very least go hey these things are commonly problems for people we've got them in our game there you go you know it like yeah. that that much gets a lot of the way to making things at least making it so that people can make accessible choices yeah and i think that is the important thing it's all about choice it's all about options it's all about making sure everybody involved is okay and happy with it and i also think what like if i have like a future vision of what i would like to see mm. is that like places where you buy games had the possibility to just um sort out games that has so it, the developers could just add it in say to steam and then they mm. could just add a bunch of triggers from a list, easy, done, easy, really, really easy for them. And I, then we who needs it could just sort it. I, I feel like there is a very easy way that step could be done, and it would be at the video game uh, age rating classification stage. Like, if yes. we could, you know, we already have, you know, warnings on the back of game boxes for like, hey, this game is a 15 because it has sexual content, bloody violence or whatever. Um... If we could incorporate, like, look, here is a list of common things that could be issues for people. Uh, look up on the, the ratings classification website which which things they saw it had. Um, you know, yeah. something something like that would be... doesn't feel like it would be that difficult to make available no, to people. But I also think that we can... We, then we can, like, send the ball to sort of, like, PlayStation mm. Store, Steam, GOG, all of these places. Because we know other media does it. Like, yeah. I, I know a lot of, like, people who make, like, uh, fan fictions online. Yes. A lot of those are able to, like, sort from everything. Yeah. Your grandma, your dog, for everything you can even imagine, yeah. you can sort it out of. So there is possibilities. There are ways of doing it. There are yeah. ways of looking it up to make it easier for everybody involved. Um, yeah. But I do think just somebody needs to just, like, take the dive. And I hope we will see it from like GOG or from like Steam. Yeah. Giving the developers those that uh easy well, way out. I I think we're getting toward that world. Like I, I don't think it's imminently on the horizon necessarily, but I think, you know, we're in a world now where both Xbox and PlayStation, at least for their first party titles, have accessibility tags on their store pages. Yeah. Where developers, you know, it doesn't have to be first party games, some third party developers mm. will submit a list of accessibility tags from a list that apply to their game. And you could very easily do something similar for, you know, common content warnings. Just have yeah. here is a list of them, or any of these in your game we can list on the on the store page that they're there and make them yeah. easy for people to find. Like that kind of it of upfront information that you can find at the point of digital sale of a game without having to go elsewhere to look for it is starting to become normalized yeah. and that is a really good stepping stone for being able to suggest that kind of thing to you know xbox or playstation hey here are some other check boxes you could also offer developers yeah and i think it's uh, the way to go and just a win-win for everyone if we add more like that couldn't agree more um yeah, I think this is probably a good place for us to uh, start wrapping up. Did you have anything else you wanted to say while you're here about PTSD and video games, I guess? I think it's just that if you have a friend uh, you know can struggle with, if not PTSD, just trauma, 
uh, video games are a wonderful way also to help somebody. Like mm. for me, if I am know I have this eminent doom or if I get more like an acute sense of panic, video games can be a wonderful way of me with friends connecting, calming down and having fun. Uh, so if you have a friend that struggles with that, maybe find some fun games together that can be sort of like a quote-unquote safe space. A fun game where you can just focus on the game and not all the feelings that is bubbling up in your body to, so that you can come to a place where you can actually deal with it. So games on negative side, but they are also a really, really good tool for people like me to handle whatever happens in my life. Wonderful. Uh... And yeah, before we wrap up, uh, once again, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me everywhere under the name Arevia. I am on every social media there is. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me there. And if you want to learn more about accessibility in gaming, yeah, come follow me. I would, I would highly recommend people follow your TikTok. You do uh, wonderful entry-level sort of insights into accessibility that are a great starting point for anyone wanting to go, what is accessibility? Where do we even begin on this? Uh, your content over there is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I think all that's left to be said is thank you everyone for watching and goodbye. Bye.